Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Bucko Booth. This is the inaugural episode of the weekly Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. My name is Benson Fector. And I will be one of your two hosts on the show. In a regular episode, we will have Jared from Pirate Strong, a very strong Instagram fan page. I myself have a fan page on Instagram, too. It is Box Dugout. So today, uh, in our inaugural episode, since Jared is out on a camping trip, uh, we're going to do some introductions. So I'm just going to introduce myself to you a little bit. I'll get you acclimated to the podcast that we're going to bring to you, and um, hopefully this this will be a successful one, and we can bring you amazing Pirates baseball content, just like we do on Instagram, but now on Blog Talk Radio and uh, podcasting everywhere. So, a little bit about myself. Um, I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I uh, was born in Alabama. I lived there for about six months, and uh, we moved to Pittsburgh. Uh, I am 16 years old, so... I've been a Pirates fan for as long as I can remember. Die Hard uh, is the best way to describe me as a fan. I love the team. I love everything about the team. Um, on a regular basis, me and uh, Jared from Pirates Strong, we will be uh, probably a little bit of a debate show is what we're going for. And um, I definitely will be the one with a positive outlook. He will be a little bit more... Uh, pessimistic per se, but I'm I'm always positive about this team. Um, it's a very exciting team, and I'm very excited to do this podcast. It's going to be a half hour every Saturday at noon. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll, we will welcome guest callers. You can call in at 845-277-9345. We'll take questions, comments. You can rant. You can do whatever you want because this is a podcast by the fans, for the fans. We're doing this for you uh, as a forum. This is a forum podcast. We want it to be a forum podcast uh, to break down Pirates baseball week by week, 52 episodes a year. And this is our inaugural episode. So very exciting stuff. And you know, for today's episode, what I was thinking was, should we take a look at the 2018 season as an outlook, or should we focus on the now? And, you know, I was thinking, so right now we are 40 and 47, and we are entering into a pivotal uh, 10-game stretch of baseball. That's the reality here. And um, we entered into last night in not-too-good fashion, dropping the game 17-5 to uh, to the Philadelphia Phillies. Right? So we're going to talk a little bit about this pivotal 10-game stretch. And we are 10 home games now. Nine, separate the Pittsburgh Pirates from the All-Star break. And quite honestly, it might be the most important 10-game stretch of the season considering what could happen following the break. So starting last night, the Pittsburgh Pirates host 10 straight games at PNC Park 
as the Philadelphia Phillies, Washington Nationals, and Milwaukee Brewers come to town before the four-day break kicks in the gear. As I mentioned um, on my Instagram account, uh, if you guys follow Bucks Dugout, make sure to give that a follow, and Pirate Strong. We have the, the uh, tags in the bio. Um, but the Pirates, they really struggle against 500 teams, against teams with 500 or better records on the season. All three teams come into PNC Park in the next 10 games own records of 500 or better highlighted by the NL Central leading Brewers. Through 13 games with one postponed due to weather, the Pirates are combined 3-10 and 10 against the Brewers, Nationals, and Phillies. Those 10 losses include two serious sweeps on the road in which the Pirates were outscored 24-8 to 8 by the Nationals and 18-5 by the Phillies, right? Playing at PNC Park could give the Pirates a boost where they're 21-21 and 21 compared to 19-25 and 25 on the road. 21-22 and 22 at home, my bad. But considering their track record against the three visiting teams, it could be an ugly send-off into the break, jump-starting a long list of potential changes to the current makeup of the 2018 Pirates. Realistically, this could be one of the final times fans get a chance to see guys like Francisco Cervelli, Josh Harrison, David Fries, and Jordy Mercer play at home for a long stretch. Following the break, the Pirates just have four games at home before the July 31st trade deadline. I don't expect Neil Huntington to wait very long after the break to start making changes to the structure of the roster, meaning those changes could come when the Pirates are on the road following the All-Star break. Take it all in now, Pirates fans. Enjoy watching those guys mentioned above. Francisco Cervelli, Josh Harrison, David Freeze, Jordy Mercer. They could be the last games in a Pirates uniform at PNC Park. And it's a sad thing to say, but it, it is truthful. The, the reality is that we are not playing our best baseball right now. The reality is that this team, you know, we were 26 and 17 at one point of the season, but we have fallen 14 and 30 cents. That's the worst record in baseball. That's the reality of the situation. But there's still 75 games left. We still have this pivotal 10 game stretch. We need to get through this stretch strong, and we can be the team I know that we are capable of being. Okay, this team was 17 and 12 through March and April. We head into May, we still get hot. Through May the 17th, we were 26 and 17. And I always like to joke about this. Our downfall started on May 18th. You know who's called up May 18th? Austin Meadows. When Austin Meadows was called up, the narrative was the Pirates are going all in this season. This is the year they're not joking around. And ever since he's been called, he's been he's been doing great, right? He won on my Bucks dugout account. He won a Rookie of June. He won National League Rookie of May, uh, even though I personally thought Richard Rodriguez should have won it. But, you know, is there something to be said about Austin Meadows and that coincidental May 18th date since we've been the worst team in baseball? Is there something wrong with the four-man outfield rotation? Because before that, we were, we were fine. Should we have waited with Austin Meadows or should we have, should we have rushed him up? What should we do at the deadline with our four outfielders? 
should Corey Dickerson be traded? Then we'd have an outfield of Meadows, Marte Polanco. I mean, that was the ideal situation for Pirates fans when Andrew McCutcheon asked. Everybody's thought was, oh, we have Austin Meadows. We'll just plug him in. And he's been great. He's been what Pirates fans had expected and dreamed of. The dilemma is, is Corey Dickerson. Look, as Pirates fans, we didn't think that Austin Meadows was going to be the player that he's shown he is so far this season. And he has hit a little bit of a rough patch, but that's expected out of rookies. You can't expect them to be great all the time. But Austin Meadows has been great most of the time. That's a great thing. And so is Corey Dickerson. Corey Dickerson is starting to heat up. Bogey Polanco is hot. The only player in that current outfield rotation is Starling Marte, who's cold right now. But he had two hits last night. So what do you do with the outfield? And an interesting move from the Pirates is they called up Jordan Luplo. Why would we call up a fifth outfielder? Now, personally, I think Jordan Luplo, he'll be sent down pretty soon because we sent Clay Holmes to uh, single-A Bradenton, which... People admit, why we send him to Bradenton? Was his start that bad? No, no, no. Just so he can stay on schedule, so if necessary, he can make his next start in Pittsburgh. And his first start wasn't very good. But now we have five outfielders. Then we have David Freeze, who can play third base and first base off the bench. And we have Max Moroth, who can float around anywhere in the infield. And then we have Jacob Stallings, who can catch. So we have all the positions we need, but... It's just interesting with this outfield rotation causing such problems, even though it seems like a good thing. It's a good thing to have too much depth, but sometimes it can cause chemistry issues amongst the team. It's just an interesting tidbit, I think. Now, literally, the date Austin Meadows was calling up is the date the Pirates began their downfall. I don't know if it's coincidental. I don't know if it actually coinc- if it coincides with something, but it's the truth. It is most definitely the truth. And, you know, after a serious victory in San Diego, the Pirates, they just struggled mightily against one of the top teams in the National League West. This past week was most certainly one the Pirates would like to put behind them as they were swept in a three-game set by the Los Angeles Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. The lesson stellar series came following a pair of serious wins for the Bucks, who were unable to take advantage of any type of positive momentum they might have had entering the three-game set. There were plenty of intriguing storylines and performances, so let's dive right into the top stories from the week that was in Pirates baseball. Let's take a look at the lopsided series with Dodgers. The Bucs didn't just suffer a three-game sweep at the hands of one of the best teams in a talented NOS division. They were absolutely manhandled as they were outscored 31-8 to through three games. The series started with a 17-1 loss to the Dodgers in which Nick Kingham, Tanner Anderson, Stephen Brault each allowed four or more runs. Kingham, who started the game, allowed seven runs, five earned on eight hits in three innings. He walked three and struck out a pair while surrendering three home runs. The Dodgers compiled 21 hits and had six players with multi-hit games, 
Yasiel Puig and Chris Taylor each had three hits and combined to drive in six runs, while Matt Kemp was unstoppable at the dish, went for five for five with a home run, four RBIs, and four runs scored. L.A. continued to rake in game two, hitting six home runs in an eight-to-three victory. Five of the home runs hit were off Pirate starter Ivan Nova, who allowed seven runs on nine hits in five innings. Chris Taylor picked up another three-hit game, as did Max Muncie, who homered for a second straight night. Muncie had two home runs in Game 2. The Pirates had a 2-1 lead early in Game 3, but it didn't last long. Chris Taylor continued his dominance with another multi-hit game. Taylor and Yasmani Grandal each drove in three runs to provide all the run support Rich Hill and the Dodgers needed. L.A. made the job difficult for Clay Holmes, who made his first career major league start. Holmes threw over 30 pitches in the first inning, walking three and allowing an RBS single to Grandal. He allowed four runs on five hits in two and a third innings. Next door I want to talk about is Diaz. He is taking advantage of opportunity. Since Francisco Cervelli went on the disabled list June 22nd with a concussion, Backup catcher Elioff counted upon to produce with the veteran starter on the shelf. And the 27-year-old backstop hasn't disappointed. In 12 games as the starter in Cervelli's absence, Diaz has done nothing but hit, kicking up at least one base knock in nine games and compiling multiple hits in four. Diaz, who is hitting 320 over his last seven games, served as one of the lone bright spots over the last week batting 429 at 6 for 14 with two home runs and three RBIs. Diaz also added three doubles and scored four runs in that span. Like Cervelli, Diaz has put up big numbers this season. He's hitting just above 300 and has seven home runs while driving in 22 runs and 136 at-bats. When in the lineup, Diaz has proven to be a vital asset at the dish while there is room for improvement behind the plate. His stellar play was noticeable when he was getting occasional starts backing up Cervelli. But it's even more evident now that he's getting an opportunity to start, and he isn't letting that chance go to waste. Let's talk about some injuries that are piling up for the team. I mean, as if things couldn't get any worse for the Pirates, injuries are starting to pile up within their pitching staff. In addition to Cervelli and Sean Rodriguez being on the DL, the Bucks also had to play starting pitchers Chad Cool with a forearm strain and Joe Musgrove with a right index finger infection on the shelf, along with reliever Michael Feliz with right shoulder inflammation. This puts the Pirates in a difficult position at a time when nothing is going right. Cool was replaced in the rotation by Kingham, but Musgrove's absence leaves a big void. While Holmes was able to make a start during the series in Los Angeles, he isn't exactly suited for role as a starter. That leaves the team with a rotation that currently consists of Nova, Jameson Tyone, Trevor Williams, and Kingham. The Pirates will have to figure out what to do with that fifth spot in the rotation for the time being, as Holmes might not be the answer. Both Stephen Brault and Tyler Glass have had experience as starters. Both have had their fair share of struggles on the role. Despite their less than ideal numbers as starting pitchers, I see either Brault or Glass now being the best options to fill the fifth starter spot until either Musgrove 
or cool returns. And you know, Stephen Brault, he wasn't that bad of a starting pitcher, right? He he struggled a bit, but I'll tell you why he struggled. His walks. He got soft contact. He got the ground balls, but he he just never. I think he's going to be a great starter down the line. The Pirates are on like that. He's been decent out of the bullpen. Uh, he, he has definitely been inconsistent. But I want to take a look at um, Tyler Glasnow's pitching numbers and Stephen Ball's pitching numbers. And we're just going to uh, compare them to each other. Uh, so let me pull those up right now. Sorry that I didn't have them earlier, but I doubt Clay Holmes is going to get another start. Now, personally, I would like to see Stephen Brault get the start. Because Stephen Brault has starting experience this year. He has won major league games as a starter this year. Tyler Glass now has struggled as a starter, and he struggled his last two outings. If he goes into a start and starts walking, guys, his mentality is just, it gets flawed. Yeah, so I want to take a look at Tyler Glasshouse pitch numbers on the season. Um, and his ERA has definitely hiked up a bit. He did seem to move up the totem pole in Hurdle's bullpen rotation, but these last two items have really hurt him. So let's take a look and see what Tyler Glasshouse has been doing. We're going to take a look at a compilation, right? So people say spring training stats don't matter, but I think all statistics matter. Now we're going to take a look at his complete body of work uh, beginning from February 25th until now. So let's take a look, shall we? So he has picked, he has pitched 64 innings for the team this year. Um, he has, let me see. He started four games, but I believe, yeah, those were in spring training. Um, he is one and four. But here's where things get dicey. He is 5.625 ERA total. Now, um, in spring training, he had a terrible spring training. He had a 7.31 ERA in spring training. He pitched 16 innings, started four games, went uh, 0-2 in the spring. Right? And those 16 innings, um, he got knocked around. He let up, I think, 22 hits. 14 runs, uh, walked five, struck out 25. So his strikeout numbers have been there. That's what's exciting about this guy. He has pitched 64 innings, 88 strikeouts. Listen, guys, if he can get his command going, he is some of the best stuff in baseball. 88 strikeouts and 64 innings? Tyler Glasner just needs to get on a roll, and then we can put him back in that starting spot. But as of now, the Pirates are trying to win baseball games. We need to win baseball games. And I'm sorry, but Tyler Glasnow is not the answer as a starting pitcher yet. No. He needs to continue to build his confidence out of the bullpen because, I mean, he still has a 5 ERA out there. Okay, Braun's been pretty darn good out of the bullpen. If you take away a couple of his outings, especially that Dodgers outing, He's been great out of the bullpen. 
I love what Stephen Brault brings to the table from the left-hand side. I think Tyler Glasson can go down two paths. He can go down the dominant starter path, or he can be a late-inning strikeout machine. Which path do the Pirates want him to go down? We'll find out this season if they still have trust in him as a starter, or if the future of Tyler Glasnow on the Pittsburgh Pirates is as a bullpen arm, or if he can't figure it out, it might be time's up for Tyler Glasnow, but we'll see. We will see what the Pirates decide to do. And, you know, we have about 10 minutes left in the show today. Um, and I, I, I want to talk a little bit about something. A little bit about next season. And it sucks to talk about this. It does. But it's the reality of the situation you're in. And you cannot deny the harsh reality of the baseball season. We have 75 games left. We do. But sometimes you have to look. And I think for the Pittsburgh Pirates, next year actually starts right now. I mean, after suffering a humiliating three-game sweep at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Pittsburgh Pirates have fallen to a season low seven games under 500 at 40-47 and are nine games behind the Philadelphia Phillies for the second wild-card spot. Pretty at all. So we're going to go through a little bit of a step-by-step plan of what your Pittsburgh Pirates should do uh, about it. Um, and it's not going to be an exciting topic to talk about. And I don't like discussing this type of stuff. But that sweep was humiliating. Four seven games under 500, and that loss last night was humiliating. What are we going to do about it? With the season halfway over and the Pittsburgh Pirates continuing to trend downward, I feel that it is time to swallow the tough pill and realize the 2018 season is essentially over. Though 2018 might not have gone as well as some had hoped, it would after the Pirates got off to their hot start. You know, we played great. We were 26-17 and 17 in first in the National League Central. We owned the Central for most of April and May. And then the demise. You know, the idea of the team being competitive in 2019 is not completely out of the question. However, for that to happen, there's going to be a few simple but major steps must be taken. Here's what I believe the Pirates must do to be best prepared for next season. Step one, have a yard sale. With the trade deadline approaching at the end of the month, the first step the Pirates need to take to assure they can be as competitive as possible in 2019 is to trade any asset that isn't completely necessary to their success in the future. Any player that has little team control left and could be a solid addition to a playoff club should be dealt as soon as possible. While I, like many others, enjoy veteran stars like Francisco Cervelli, Jordy Mercer, Josh Harrison, David Fries, and Corey Dickerson, everyone must realize that none of these players fit in the long-term plans of the franchise. It will be difficult to watch them leave, and some of their trade value might not be what it could have been had they been dealt earlier, but trading them will allow the Pirates 
to add to their farm system while also giving young players like Kevin Newman, Kevin Kramer, Elias Diaz, Colin Moran, and Austin Meadows the everyday reps they need to be at their absolute best for next season. Step two, make the future the present. As I already mentioned, the next step to come after trading away all our luxury pieces would be to call up any player that is projected to be on the 2019 opening day roster. If this team is going to lose, they might as well do so while letting their future roster develop at the big league level. Well, everyone likes to talk about the success the Pirates had from 2013 to 2015. Few speak about how the core on those teams had to experience some major growing pains in the season prior. In 2009 and 2010, the Bucks called up players like Andrew McCutcheon, Pedro Alvarez, Neil Walker, and Garrett Jones, who had to take their lumps before finding consistency. After they found their footing, the second wave of players like Jordy Mercer, Josh Harrison, Starling Marte, and Garrett Cole came up and did the same thing. One could argue the first wave of young talent being Meadows, Moran, Diaz, and a few pitchers are already up and starting to develop. It is now time to begin phase two. Kramer and Newman need to come up within the next month so this team can have a solid tandem up the middle next season. After they are called up to the big leagues, the focus should then fall on finding a spot for Mitch Keller on the 2019 opening day roster and deciding what to do with prospects like Cole Tucker, Brian Hayes, Jason Martin, Will Craig, who are just a few years away from being major league ready but have a young everyday starter in front of them. Step three, consider outsourcing. The last step that needs to be taken in the process of getting ready for next season is finding external help. Who can the Pirates find from the outside that can come in and make the team better? If they do end up making the trades I mentioned earlier, this young group will need some veterans on the roster to provide them with some guidance. However, this concept isn't just limited to players available on the trading block or free agency. While I say that the free agent signings of A.J. Burnett, Russell Martin, and Francisco Lariano all played a big part in getting the Pirates back to playing competitive baseball. I also believe the club should look to seek new faces who can improve their coaching staff and front office. After three straight years of losing, Clint Hurdle's job shouldn't be an absolute given, regardless of the extension that he just signed. A major argument can be made that Hurdle's best days as a manager have come and gone. And a change of the head could be beneficial if this team is looking to start over. Even if he stays, the organization should reevaluate the rest of this and then see if there are other options available that could get more out of what the team currently has to work with. While Ray Sears certainly got the most out of his reclamation projects, he has not been able to help his young staff find any consistency. In addition to inconsistent performances on the mound, the Pirates have also struggled in the areas of power hitting and base running. 
perhaps finding a new hitting coach should change the team's prehistoric approach, and new base coaches who can reduce the number of outs made on the base paths are in order. Finally, the Pittsburgh Pirates should also look to improve their front office. From their general manager to their scouting department, not one person should be pleased as to how the young talent has developed in the recent past. Being that the current way the club is being run has shown to be ineffective, a change must be made in either philosophy, strategy, or personnel if this franchise intends to become a legitimate playoff contender anytime soon. I understand that the third step of this plan is much more difficult than the first two, and that the plan as a whole is easier said than done. There are many things that could go wrong if the Pirates do indeed choose to take this route of action. Do you know is that this club cannot sit and remain content with the current state in which they are in. As this club continues to remain in baseball limbo, their fan base and the entire city they play in are becoming more and more apathetic. Now that the playoffs are essentially out of the picture for this season, the franchise's goal should be to make it clear to everyone, the fans, media, and even their own players, that 2019 will be different. Whatever moves that the Pirates decide to make from now until the start of next season, they must indicate that. Like the fans, they too are unhappy with being mediocre at best. When it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates wanting win games, their actions must once again must speak louder than their words, not been the case since 2015. And that's uh, just about going to wrap up our inaugural episode of Bucko Booth. Thank you all for tuning in. It means a heck of a lot to me. Uh, Jared should be back uh, in his first episode next weekend, probably again at Saturday at noon, I'd assume. Um, Make sure to give me and my buddy Jared a big follow um, I am at, at Bucks Dugout on Instagram, and my buddy Jared, he is at Pirates.Strong on Instagram. He has a huge account. Be sure to follow it. Great content uh, that both of us roll out. Um, and, you know, I'm happy that uh, we got the first episode done. So, again, thank you guys. Appreciate it uh, very much so, and we'll see. By next week, we'll be uh, talking sad or happy. Um as I believe next week it will uh, be just about the the All-Star break. So thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Benson Vector. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you all on Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.